for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. There's a lot of you in here, that's great, packed, wonderful. Well, before I start, I really just uh, felt Holy Spirit just kind of put some things on my mind, so I'd love to just kind of see, um, I just kind of felt like there'd be, there's someone here that's struggling with shortness of breath, tight chest, shallow breathing, something around that. I know it's not me, but I can, I'm just kind of feeling it in my body. Is that anyone? Anybody struggling with shortness of breath? Excellent. Anyone else? Why don't, can, are you able to stand? Where you are, that would be great. Now, I know this church is an awesome church, and I know it believes in the priesthood of all believers, right? So none of you have got any less of the Holy Spirit than I've got. I'm not a man of power for the hour, all right? The Holy Spirit's going to work. So if you're near these folk, and you're full of faith, you love Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, why don't you just stand with them, put your hands on them? And even if you're not near them, you can get up and move around. It's okay. I don't mind messing church up a little bit. Wonderful. It's really good. Okay, you just begin to pray for them. Just pray in tongues. Okay, and we just believe that the Holy Spirit, you know, what God orders, he pays for. Do you know that? What he orders, he pays for. And so when he speaks, it's because he's going to do something. And so we just want to speak healing right now uh, into these bodies Whatever the issue, whatever the cause, if it's this shortness of breath, a tightness in the chest, whatever it is, we just speak to these bodies and say, be healed right now in Jesus' name. We say, lungs, just use your full capacity. Allow deep breathing. We rebuke this shallow breathing right now in Jesus' name and we just speak life in Jesus' name. If you can feel anything going on in your body, do you want to, can you just give me a wave? If you can feel anything. Is there any improvement, change, anything like that at all? Otherwise, we'll just keep praying for a few moments. It's just helpful to know if there's any movement at all in what God's doing. Anything? We just continue to speak life right now. Fullness of health in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Feel free to keep praying for those folk. I'm just going to carry on um, and... uh, we can pray some more afterwards. You know, I love the fact that, that Jesus always went after the one. You know, it's great and discipleship, what you're doing on this, this training and all of this is brilliant and it's great, so important. And I'm going to be speaking on that um, this morning. It's valuable. But actually, what I love as well is how Jesus always goes after the one. And so what you'll find is as I speak, if I, I, I kind of... Holy Spirit will either speak to me in the moment or as I've been preparing, he speaks to me um, in order for me to be able to go after the one. So we might see a little bit more of that um, as we're going through what we're talking about. Um, but uh, just thought I'd get you in the, in the zone, as it were. All right, ready for, are you ready for that? Because sometimes we need to want our breakthrough more than we want our dignity. And uh, often I just find there's moments of grace that come when Holy Spirit speaks and prompts, which means if you're prepared to step up, then actually you can get for free what you're going to have to work for later. You know, and uh, I used to say, you know, if I give a word of knowledge, don't come up to me afterwards because I'll headbutt you. All right, because actually what was going on was something in me. I wanted for you all to see that I was hearing God right. And that's why I didn't want people to come and see me afterwards, because afterwards no one would know I was right. Just being honest with you. 
But actually, now what I've seen is I'll pray with anybody, anytime. Okay, but what I've noticed is, is that those folk that tend to stand in that moment of grace get something for free that actually when I stand and pray with people afterwards, they have to battle for to win. So when is a moment of grace? Take it. That would be my advice. Anyway, it's up to you. There's freedom here. You know, there's no freedom without choice. So you can choose to engage. You can choose not to engage. You can choose to listen or not. That's fine. There's freedom here. But I'm just giving you a bit of a heads up. Sometimes, sometimes it's easier just to go with that moment of grace, but you have to kind of step up when you feel Holy Spirit speaking and you just think, he wants me to what? He wants me to stand up in front of all these people. Are you nuts? But actually, it's like, do you want the breakthrough that Holy Spirit is prompting you for more than you care what people think about you? Anyway, you can have that for free. That's not what I was going to talk about. All right? So that's, you can have that for free. Okay, we're going through this uh, wonderful uh, discipleship uh, book from King's Arms, and we love them, and we love what God's doing with them, and, and there's so much to glean from what they are learning and um, it's brilliant that we can kind of get on board with that and what I want to talk about today really is about you being uniquely you you being uniquely you because the reality is is for us to change the world for us to be able to bring the kingdom everywhere we place our feet for us to be sharing and demonstrating and declaring the kingdom in our unique ways in all of the unique environments that we are in it's going to take all of us it's going to take all of us to do it um, and even the apostle paul um, says that no matter how hard he tried, even trying all sorts of different things, he could only reach some. You know that passage in 1 Corinthians 9, 22, he says, I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. And I'm pretty certain that actually, even the mighty Apostle Paul, just on his own, was sure that he could only save some. But together... The church, we can reach the world. We can change the world if we do it together. And I'm sure you're very familiar with that passage um, in Ephesians that talks about um, uh, the multifaceted kind of purposes of God being demonstrated to the principalities and powers through the church. Do you know that one? Let me read it to you. Ephesians 3 verse 10. I'll read it from the Amplified Version. It says this, the purpose is that through the church, the complicated, many-sided wisdom of God in all its infinite variety and innumerable aspects might now be made known to the angelic rulers and authorities, principalities and powers in the heavenly sphere. All right. Now, I'm pretty certain that if God has chosen to demonstrate all of that to the powers and principalities through the church then I'm pretty certain that actually that's his chosen method for the world as well. So God wants to have his church demonstrate that. So the complicated, many-sided wisdom of God in all its infinite variety and innumerable aspects can only be made known through the many-sided, infinitely varied and innumerable varieties of characters and personalities of the church. Because we're made in his image. Yeah? We are made in his image, each one of us. And if we're to make disciples of all nations, 
If we are really going to reach all people for God, then it's going to require all of us in our uniqueness, in our varied characters, being who we are uniquely called to be, where we have been uniquely placed, being those kingdom carriers. Okay, It's going to take all of us. And so as we turn our primary focus to the kingdom and allow Jesus to build the church... You know, that's what he said, right? He said he's going to build his church. We're to extend the kingdom, all right? And sometimes we get our ideas above our station and feel like it should be us that should be building the church, but we're just called to extend the kingdom. You can have that one for free as well, all right? Just saying. So if, if, if our attention then becomes the kingdom allows, and we allow Jesus to build the church, we can create in that process a community that has the same values, that looks for and pursues the same kingdom culture, but we want it still to allow you to be uniquely you. It's really important that we remember that. So often in the church, we look to push people into some kind of stereotypical mould of what we think a good Christian should look like. And that view normally is Western, white and middle class. And let me just say that kingdom culture and kingdom values are not nationalistic. They're kingdom. Okay? And it's really easy for us in Horsham, where, where we are, which is almost entirely white and middle class, it's pretty easy for us sometimes to accept other ethnicities as long as they still behave as if they were white and middle class. I like being really honest, okay? I'm just, I'm just telling you how it is. You're all very quiet, so I don't know whether you're thinking, man, don't go to Horsham, or you're thinking, <laughs> or whether you're thinking, yeah, that's a little bit like us. I, I don't know, you could, you could make up your own mind, but it's really easy, and I think, you know, here in Ashford, you are blessed, genuinely, um, with just such uh, a, a wide and diverse group of ethnicities. I love it. I cover it. I love it. Um, to be like that in, in Horsham. Um, you have asylum seekers and, and refugees. And, and please don't despise that. Don't despise refugees. You know, the biggest, some of the biggest moves of God in the Bible, God used refugees. Moses was a refugee. The whole people of Israel were refugees. When persecution came to the church in Jerusalem, they scattered. They were all refugees. God loves, he doesn't only just love the refugees, he uses refugees. And um, I think it's really important that, that as we pursue that, we pursue ethnicity in our church. You know, I know for us in Horsham, I'd love to see Muslims and Sikhs and Hindus coming to believe in Jesus. You know, that's why I, I would love to see them baptised. And I know you've seen some of the, the what I believe are the first fruits, but I covet that for Horsham too. And we must be sure that when we see these ethnicities coming in and coming to faith in Jesus, that we look to establish the values and the culture of the kingdom in them, but not rob them of their own culture at the same time. You see, clearly we want to tackle things that are contrary to the kingdom. We need to challenge that. 
but only that which is contrary to the kingdom and not that which is contrary to our British culture. Um, and the reality is that often Sikhs, Muslims, Hindus and, and, and those people that are coming from a, an Eastern culture, they're probably living more biblically than you are anyway. Because you, you know Jesus wasn't Western, right? It's true, honestly. He wasn't even white. Didn't speak British either, you know? But what we've got to be really careful of is, is that we establish what is the kingdom and allow people to be uniquely them. Those folk from that culture will read their Bibles very differently to you because they'll be reading it with an Eastern way of thinking, which is probably more accurate than the way you're reading it because you're going to be reading it through Western eyes. And so actually some of these folks can help us There's a brilliant book, if you're into that kind of thing, um, called Misreading Scripture Through Western Eyes. I'd encourage you to to read it. It's fantastic. Um, And it just helps us understand the the way the context of the Bible, the New Testament particularly, was written in and how the hearers would have understood it. Because we need to understand that so that we can bring kingdom culture but not kill culture. You know, and, and some of our missionary efforts over the centuries have been more about establishing British culture in the colonies than, if you like, bringing a kingdom culture and allowing those people to still be uniquely them. And that's what we want in our churches, don't we? I trust um, to have those same kingdom values working towards the same kingdom culture, but we still want everyone, each of us, to be uniquely us. And that is, that is the key. And so for us to reach all people, it needs each of us to remain uniquely us, but be carriers of the kingdom at the same time. Now, this isn't licensed to be uniquely stupid or uniquely weird. I'm just putting it out there. I know I don't need to tell you as a church that because you're, you're all right, but there are other people that can be uniquely weird sometimes. And, and that's not what being uniquely you is. I want to release you to be who you've been uniquely gifted and called to be without putting you in a box. And we have to be living from who we really are. And I think sometimes we get squashed into other things. Too many of us have tried to fit in and be the Christian we think everyone else wants us to be. Too many of us allowed others to put us in a box. Or we have ourselves put ourselves in a box. We've done it. Because we think that's what others want us to be like. Now I'm sure we can all associate with the victim element of that. Yes, I feel like other people have put me in a box. But I don't suspect many of you are sitting there thinking like a perpetrator. I doubt you're thinking, yeah, 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 I've definitely put people in boxes. Because that's not where we go in our thinking. We think, yes, they've put me in a box. But the reality is, is that we do both. We do both. Um, And we don't always do it consciously, it has to be said, but the reality is, is that we all suffer from it and we can all be the perpetrators of it in that sense that we get squashed into and allow ourselves to get into a box. And I just think that there's a, right now, 
I can feel my heart going. The Holy Spirit is wanting to see some freedom come right now. And as I've been praying and thinking about it, I just felt like there's a, at least one person that feels like I have been put in a box. I've allowed myself to be put in a box. Someone feels they're just conforming to some kind of expectation or stereotype because they feel that's what's expected or what's needed in order for them to be accepted. It may be the good Christian wife box or the, the good Christian mum box or that, whatever that stereotype is. It may be those things and really deep down you'd love to have wild hair and tattoos and, and just kind of be who you feel you are. Is there anybody that resonates with that? This is going to be a tough one. But I just feel I want to go after the one or more. Anybody feel? It doesn't have to be those things. It doesn't have to be a a lady. I just kind of, they were the examples I had. If that's you, brilliant. Why don't you stand where you are? Well done for being brave. Anyone else just feel like you feel trapped by expectation? Is that you? Why don't you stand where you are? That was the phrase I got. Trapped by expectation. Going once, doesn't have to be a lot of people because I love going, well done. Going twice. Last opportunity. If you feel that's you, trapped by expectation. Okay. If you're nearby these folks, you love them, we're family together, we're church together. So why don't you just go and stand with them? Don't let them stand on their own. Don't let them wait there for ages. Get to them quickly. Come on, church. It's okay. Get to them quickly. Wonderful. God's so good, you know. He can speak to, I don't know how many people in the room, 200 people in the room, but he'll go after the ones. And Father, we just thank you for those brave folk that have stood. Father, we thank you, Lord, that is not your desire that they feel trapped by expectation. Thank you, Lord God, that you came to set the captives free to bring freedom. You said those that will... You'll make free will be free indeed. And Father, I pray, Lord, break off expectation from them that's not of you. Break off the expectation that either they have placed on themselves because they think that's what other people want. And break off the expectation that has been put on them. Where they've been. I just break off those words where someone has said to you, that's not what a good Christian does. Or that's not very Christian that's forced you into a a, a false expectation that's prevented you from being uniquely you. And now, Father, we just want to release your freedom for each of these folks to be uniquely them, to be uniquely who you've called them to be. Father, we bless what you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just... Just before we move on from that, feel free to keep praying with them if, if, if you want to. But just before we move on from that, I kind of felt like as well that there's someone that feels like, I keep getting this thing about tattoos and it might not be, it might just be an example, but it feels like because of that, you feel excluded from being in- included or accepted. You feel like actually you, you can't move into that because of those things. So um, you feel like you're never really going to fit in. Does that anybody tracking with that? You just feel like, I'd love to be part more part of this, but there's something in me that feels like I'll never really fit in. 
Anyone? Wow, well done. You're so brave. God loves that about you. He loves that about you. And you don't need to feel like you won't fit in because he's, he's, he's loving you right now. He is so pleased, so proud that you've stood. He is so proud and he loves you. And he loves how he's made you. And he loves the things about you that you do quietly, just him. So if one or two ladies around there would just like to go and pray for our dear, dear sister right there. Wow, that's amazing. You're so brave. And God's so pleased. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We just come against those negative thoughts that just say you'll never fit in. Maybe because you've not got the stereotypical kind of expectations about life and stuff. We just come against that right now in Jesus' name. And we come against that lie that says you won't fit in. And we speak the truth right now that you are an important and integral part of this body. That this body cannot function fully to the full extent of its capability without you. You're important. You're loved. I can see you're loved right now just by the speed with which everybody rushed to you. You are loved. You are so loved. And God is so pleased. Wonderful. Amen. Amen. I love it when God does that. It's so cool, isn't it? It's just important. So well done for you guys that are standing when it's difficult. Um, The reality is, and what I want us to understand this morning is, is that the good news and taking the good news of the kingdom to all people needs all kinds of people. You know, no one's going to reach a Muslim quite like someone who was a Muslim. No one's going to reach an addict quite like an ex-addict. No one's going to reach those people on the council estate quite like people on the council estate. And no one's going to reach the company executive quite like a company executive. And it's not to say God can't bridge those divides, but actually no one's going to reach them quite like one of their own. And so we need all of that. We don't, we don't need to lift them out of something and make them something completely different. We just want to show them Jesus, let them be more like him, and he will change them into who he's called them to be within the context and culture that they're, that they're in. And so we need everybody to be uniquely them. You know, we had a, a story just recently at, at King's Church, one of our uh, deacons got a phone call from a deputy head of a local school just to say how someone in King's Church had dramatically changed one of their pupils and therefore the family's lives. So we're like, whoa, like, this is incredible, you know. Who, who is this apostle that we have amongst us that we didn't even know? And all it was was a lady driving home one day and saw a girl sobbing on the side of the road just distraught and she stopped her car. And she got out and she spent time with her. Um, and, um, and then what happened was this had just dramatically changed this girl's life, her thinking. And then her mum was dramatically impacted by it and they didn't know who it was. So they've contacted the school. Now the school are aware of it. And the, the head teacher came to us to say someone from your con- and they want to say thank you. So we found out kind of who it was. But my point is it was just her being uniquely her. That, it, 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 you know, if you knew the person, you would think, well, yeah, of course, 
If anyone was going to stop, it would be her. But she's just being uniquely her. She's not one that comes out on the streets doing that kind of treasure hunting, prophetic evangelism, you know, that stuff we might consider the sharp end for the kingdom. But she's just being who she uniquely is and bringing the kingdom where she was. We, we need that. Um, and it, it's all of us being who we uniquely are. And that's really the essence of what I want to talk about. So it'd be good to, to, to get into a passage of the Bible. I just want to kind of base these next few minutes on, really. Which is Ephesians 4, 1 to 16. And Paul says this. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean that he had to also descend into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. I always like when you get brackets in the Bible, you kind of feel like they're there to help you understand. That just confused me all all the more, to be fair with you, but we'll move on. Um, And he gave the apostles and prophets and evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, uh, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. It's a wonderful, wonderful passage. And I want us to remember that what it's calling us to is is it's a grace call. It's a grace call for us to be who we uniquely are. It's not a free pass to just do whatever you want, behave however you want and live any way you want. Grace and freedom means that no matter what we do, Father God will never love us any less, but... What they do is they give me the opportunity to choose to live a life worthy of the gospel. You know, we say that you know, God gave free will and that was a dangerous thing for him to do in the garden. And it was to a degree, but what made it more dangerous was the fact that he didn't just give us free will, he gave us freedom. Now, I give my children free will and, you know, it's like they say we want pizza for dinner and say, no, you can have this or you can have this. Which sounds like I'm giving them a choice and letting them exercise free will, but the reality is I haven't really given them freedom. I've just given them these two choices. They want pizza. I've only given them these two choices. And we had one of our sons going, when he was really little, what? what? No, I want pizza. Yeah, you can have this or this. No, 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 I want pizza. And he would never let it go, whereas our other son was easily distracted. He would go, oh, I'll have that then, if that's the choice. But there wasn't real freedom until you can choose whatever you want. 
So free will and real freedom is dangerous. And we saw what happened as a result of that in the Garden of Eden. Because there was a tree that they could choose to pick from that they shouldn't. There was no tree. They could have still had free will. But there was no opportunity to do anything other than what was the right choice. So there's no freedom uh, without choice. And so that's what grace does. Grace says, look, whatever you choose, Father's God is towards you. He loves you. Whatever you choose. But there is freedom to choose the wrong stuff. And he'll still love you. And there may be consequences of your choices. But the reality is, is that there's genuine freedom. And that's why often Paul will say, guys, there's grace to do what you want, but live a life worthy of your calling, worthy of the gospel. Philippians 1.27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Paul says in a passage in Ephesians we've just read, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. This is not a, a call to conformity or nationalistic culture or an expectations of a Western church or the demands of religious zealots or anything like that, but it's a call to be more like Jesus, but as uniquely you. You can still be unique while demonstrating the same or similar characteristics as other people. You know that, right? So you can still be uniquely you, but still demonstrate similar characteristics. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, live a life worthy of the calling. And then he clarifies some of those general cultures. He says, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, being eager to maintain the unity of the spirit. He's saying, be uniquely you, but actually there will be these common kingdom community values that will be evident. We can all manifest the character traits of Jesus without looking identical. If you were to see my dad, um, you would know it was my dad. You wouldn't have to ask, is that Andy's dad? You would know it was my dad. We are like two peas in a pod. Um, Really are. We have the same mannerisms. We sound the same on the phone. Um, We have many of the same characteristics, stunning good looks. He's a really good-looking man. Um, Those kind of things are, are there, but we have very different views on things. We're very different. So we have many characteristics that are the same. We look the same, but actually, you spend any time with either of us, you would know we were very different people when we were both uniquely us. And actually, we have to be careful with that with our kids. So I've got two boys. Uh, one's 23, one's 21, um, or about to be 21. No, he's just turned 21. Yes. <laughs> There's two other men in the house. I, um, and, um, but when I speak to them, you know, as, as, uh, they're both looking for jobs. One's just got a job in London. And when he was looking for this job in London, the temptation was to say, if I were you, as a parent. You know what I mean? Well, if I was you, I'd do this. But the reality is, I am not him. All I can possibly do is to say that is, if I was in your situation, with my character, with my skill set, with my way of looking at the world, I'd do this. But he is uniquely him. And um, in that situation, I can't really tell him how he should respond because he needs to respond through who uniquely he is. 
in that context. So, you know, I can tell him general things like, look, when you go, you know, uh, I know you know everything, um, but maybe pretend like you don't, <laughs> you know. Um, you know what I mean? I always tell kids, you know, like, go get a job now, quick, while you still know everything. Because you'll be really valuable to employers, knowing everything. Um, it's a really good time to go for a job. Um, you know, otherwise, you'll start to get a little bit older, like me, and realise you, you, know, you don't know anything anymore, and you start forgetting everything. So, so yeah, while you still know everything, get a job quick. Um, so, you know, so don't be proud. Don't, don't be arrogant. Be soft-hearted. Be humble. I can tell him those things because that's not going to not make him uniquely him. They are good, general kingdom characteristics for him to take on. And so we have to be really careful that I'm not putting him in a box that is my shape box by saying, well, what I do is this because I'm not him. But I can give him those general characteristics. And that's what we see Paul doing here. And when we, when we think about the kingdom, we need to be uniquely us, but then take on those characteristics of the kingdom, of kingdom culture, and still remain uniquely us. Does that make, that make sense? Okay, good. Two of you thought that makes sense. Excellent. I think the other thing for us to remember when we're, when we're looking at, at this is it says in that passage that that the measure of the grace that we get for those things differs. So we have different grace gifting, different measures of grace. Um, and we're all, for example, called to be patient. So that was one of the things we read there. We're all called to be patient. But some people have a special grace gift for outrageous patience. You know the people I mean? Do you know what I mean? The ones where like, everybody else is at the end of their rope and they're still there. Going, yeah, yeah. Go on, take your time. What do you mean, take your time? Get a move on. Do you know what I mean? And, and so we have to be aware of that as well. What we have to remember is if you're the person with the outrageous grace gift for patience, that you don't try and make that the baseline for everyone else. You recognise that you are uniquely gifted for that thing. And what we have to be really careful of is that we don't then say, well, because my level of patience is here, then you lot all need to have patience that's there. We all need to have patience. The Bible tells us we do. But we're each uniquely grace-gifted in different ways. And you know when I said earlier about being put in a box and how you'd all really quickly go, yeah, I've been put in a box, people have tried to put me in a box. So you take the victim's position real quick. And then the perpetrator's position is somewhat, somewhat different. But this is how we can be a perpetrator. Is when we have a grace gifting for something, that we try and make the base standard for everyone else. We ought to recognise that actually we've been grace gifted for that. And that isn't necessarily the standard. Yes, we should all be patient, and I'm just using that as an example But if you're outrageously patient, that doesn't become the baseline for everyone else. Because if it is, you have to be careful you're not then pushing everyone into a box. Same with gifts like whatever, any gift, doesn't matter. We just have to be careful that we're not creating a box because that's where our standard is and therefore we do that. Equally, another way we can be a perpetrator is, is actually we can put a standard onto others, particularly leaders. You should be outrageously patient because you're an elder. You should be 
outrageously pastoral because you're a, a leader. You should be, and we put, they won't say this, so I'm telling you, all right? So we put a standard on them that either we don't adhere to, or, in fact, that God may not even have grace gifted them for. Now, yes, they've got to be patient and kind and all the things that elders are supposed to be and leaders are supposed to be and deacons are supposed to be. I'm not letting anybody get away with anything, but actually we can put a standard on those things that God hasn't necessarily graced them for. As a team, you want that all there. But be careful you're not putting them in a box. I'm only telling you that because they won't. So I thought I'd just, you can get that one for free. All right? I think, let's just wait a minute and just, I just want to wait. I think Holy Spirit's on this right now. And not about leaders, but I think about how maybe you recognise how you might be uniquely gifted for something and you've kind of, you've got an expectation that that standard should be with everybody around you. Anybody recognise that? I know that's a tough one. Again, well done. Well, man, you've got some brave people in this church. Well done. Do you want to stand where you are? I'd love to pray for you. Wow, you've got some brave people in this church. Well done. Well done. Man, you're awesome. You are awesome. Wow, God's going to break through. Just Come on, church, you know the drill. They're there. They're vulnerable right now. They need you in their vulnerability. Well done, both of you, man. That's awesome. Whew. Holy Spirit, we just invite you. Would you just come on these two brave folk? Lord God, where they've recognised, right there, do you know what? I've put a standard on other people because that's what you've graced me for. And I kind of felt like they need to step up to where I am. And Lord, I pray, not only would you free them from that, but you would increase the grace gift on them for that. Would you increase the grace gift? As they come before you, they repent and know what they've done. Lord, I pray that as a result, you would increase, increase that very thing in their hearts, we pray in Jesus, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have I got an absolute drop dead, you'll tackle me to the floor time when I need to finish? One o'clock. <laughs> I, I, I promise I'll finish before then. No, I just, there's just a couple of things I want to go, but you know, if you're timing me, I don't know how long your sermons are supposed to be, but if you're timing me, you can't include that Holy Spirit's time. That's his time. All right? I'm not, I don't want him taking out of my time. All right? So he, that's just extra. All right? Is that fair? Is that all right? Okay, good. All right. Quickly moving on before I get into all sorts of trouble. Right. So I think what we learn from, from this is that sense of we're recognising actually that we can be grace gifted for stuff. There'll be motivations that we have in our heart because God's uniquely called us to that. And we, wanna, we need to understand what those motivations are because we can then bring them to serve the church. Okay, and, and, and again, just to, to say that, that your giftings, what God's given you, and we read it in this passage, are there to serve the church, to build up the church, to strengthen and mature the church. That's what your gifting is for. Okay? The church is not there to serve your gift. Let me say that again. Your gift is there to serve the church. The church is not there to serve your gift. And by that I mean is that if your gift is, 
I don't know, worship leading. Let's pick on the worship leaders. You know, if that's your gift and you're serving the church in that and changes are made, that means you're not going to be any longer asked to do that. We can often see where we feel the relationship between our gift and the church is. Because if it's no longer serving the church, we want the church to be served and we're okay with that. But if it's more about serving our gift, then we can get pretty stroppy about that. I know you're not a stroppy man, so I'm picking on you deliberately. But do do you know what I mean? I'm going to take your silence for absolutely I know what you mean, but I'm not going to nod in any way, shape or form. But it, 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 it challenges us where we get our value. But what this passage tells us is, is, is those things that God's put in us are to serve the church. And we just have to make sure that the way that works is, is that we do that. Because sometimes, as a leader, not here, obviously, but elsewhere where I've been, is, is, is that it's hard to make changes in the church because actually there's a bigger concern about how everybody's going to respond to the change and you end up not making the change that you should be making because you feel like there'll be so much fallout if you make it. And that happens if everybody's got a thing about the church serving my gift rather than my gift serving the church. So let's work, we need to work out what our motivations are. What is it that kind of makes us tick? And if you look at those Ephesians 4 um, passage that we've just read, it talks about pastors, prophets, apostles, all that kind of stuff. And actually, whilst they're talking about roles in the church, those things can actually help us determine actually what motivates us without us having to be part of, you know, this, you know, I'm an apostle because I've got some apostolic gifting or I'm an evangelist because I've, uh, you know, that's not what it means, but it will help us with those motivations. So you can look at those five gifts and you can say, what are those gifts that motivate me? All right. And that's what I want us to do. But just wanted to be clear that actually in the passage, it's describing people roles within the church. But actually it can help us, make, help us decide what ticks or ticks our boxes, makes us get up in the morning. Um, uh, whilst remembering that actually those gifts exist to serve the church. So if you like, um, you can think of it and you'll see it in your notes that you've got like a graphic equaliser. Now, you know on a graphic equaliser, all the bars have got something in them. It's just some of them are higher than others. And that's true as we look at those giftings, is is that we've all got them. We've all got measures of them. um, But sometimes one or others are higher than another. And what that does is that will affect what motivates us. It will affect kind of what we, what sort of, as I say, rattles our cage, gets us out of bed in the morning. And so apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds or pastors um, and teachers. Okay, and, and if you look in your notes, you'll use the phrase apest. All right? um, it makes me laugh because my top three gifts are apostolic, prophetic and evangelist, which makes me an ape. <laughs> see, see, when they could have been quiet, Graham, they weren't. And when I want them to say something, they're all quiet. Right, okay, I've, I've got a measure of where you guys are at then. So, I'm an ape, all right? But what you find is, is that predominantly your apostolic gift, your prophetic gift and your evangelistic gift will be what I'd call developers or ground takers, all right? That is just who they would naturally be. Equally, your, your pastor or your shepherd or your teacher would be more towards ground keeping. They're, they're developers, developing people. Now, prophets being prophets can be both. 
So the prophetic gift can operate as, as development and ground keeping as well as that kind of visionary kind of thing as well. But just to say, none of us are all one and none of the other. We're not all ground takers and so therefore not interested in ground keeping and we're not all ground keepers and not interested in ground taking. We're all mixed, but there'll be a motivation that causes us to, to lean, if you like, one way, one way or the other. And so... What I'll do is I'll use the examples that are in the, the books that Graham has given you because I think it's really helpful. Um, uh, and what they do in the book, which I thought was really clever, they, they talk about coming across a car accident and then they look at how those five different types of, of gifting and motivation would treat the car accident. I just thought it was really clever um, and really enjoy it. So if you think about that and then try and see which one you'd be most like. All right, so bearing in mind, we've come across a car accident, and first of all, the apostolic gift comes across the car accident. Um, they're kind of around creating and transforming, sending culture. So at the car accident, the apostolic motivation is organising and directing people whilst thinking, who planned this road junction? True story. Okay, there is desire is to take and shape new ground so that it looks like Christ's kingdom. They do this through trying new ideas, build, uh, bridging barriers, creating cultures, developing leaders and teams. Their mindset is entrepreneurial and they are not satisfied until the whole church you are in is transformed. All right, so that's if, if the apostolic gifting in there. Um, then the prophetic, to seek and communicate God's will. So the, the prophet comes across the same car accident and their motivation is wondering, what is God saying through this? All right? They'll also try and pray for the sick, give a few words of knowledge to the crowd. Their desire is to bring revelation into the light so that they can build according to God's voice. They do this through questioning the status quo, um, insisting on conformity to God's plans and listening to God's counsel. Their mindset is how can we bring heaven's blueprint to the earth? So they come across it, that's what they look like. Next, and I love this one, the evangelist comes across the same car accident. The evangelistic motivation is concerned about the eternal state of the victims and the gathering crowd whilst thinking, there are a lot of people around car accidents. Maybe I should start an alpha for car accident scenes course. Their desire is to share the gospel, uh, uh, the good news of the gospel, and they do this through infectious communication of God's heart, sharing their personal story, making friendships, drawing others into missional activity. Their mindset is how can we reach as many people in as many ways as possible. Now the pastor or the shepherd, as they use in this context, they nurture and protect community. So at the car accident, the shepherd's motivation is busy caring for the injured and he's thinking we need blankets, drinks, and someone needs to comfort or contact the families. Their desire is to bring care to the community of God and create a strong sense of belonging They do this through making and developing disciples, cultivating stable and loving relationships and protecting God's people from harm. Their mindset is how can we develop and empower more spiritually healthy people? And then finally, teaching, understand and explain the truth. So at the accident now, the teacher's motivation is deep in thought. We need to teach people to drive. Their desire is to communicate and ground others in the unchanging truth of Scripture They do this through explaining, guiding, transferring a knowledge and passion for God's word. 
Their mindset is how to create stable foundations of unchanging truth in people's lives so they can grow up strong, wise, and mature in God. And so I guess the question is, which one of those would you readily think, yeah, that would be my motivation, that would be my primary motivation? There might be more than one. You know, often there is, there's like a primary and a secondary. And depending on what you've been grace gifted for and the context you've been grace gifted for will make a difference. Um, I was chatting with some leaders from here a little while back, and well, last week actually, and saying that, you know, as I've looked at this, um, there's a test you can do online. I think it's in your book. It's really helpful. It's really quick. Um, just kind of scores those, those things for you. But my observation would be is, is that people who, who have sort of planted churches successfully, serial church planters, the difference between their highest score and their lowest score is normally very small because they have to be all things to all men in order that they might reach some. But people that operate in a, in a bigger church context, actually what you find is the difference between their lowest score and their highest score can be quite large because there will be others in the team that cover, cover that weakness, um, if you like. So, uh, as I say, so y- you'll see that, and that tends to be, for me, what happens is there's quite a big difference between my highest score um, and, my, and my lowest score. And what that will do in understanding which one of those motivates you most will, will help you determine if you're a developer, a groundkeeper, so a shepherd, pastor, teacher, or whether you're more predominantly a, a ground taker, so apostolic, evangelistic, and prophetic. Um, and it's just helpful to understand who you've been uniquely made to be, so you can understand that, you know? It's like if, if you're in a home group, and everybody in your home group are ground, predominantly ground keepers, then when you hear the call for all our home groups need to be more missional and reaching out, everyone's like, oh. Because that, that's not where they naturally lean. You know? And so actually that can become difficult. And we want to make sure that actually, actually when we got a home group, it would be great, wouldn't it, if we had both ground keepers and ground takers in the group. So it's, it's understanding that. The other thing that's really, really helpful when, when you spend time with people is if you know what your primary gift is and what your weakest gift is, is that will help you when you're with someone who's your weakest gift is their strongest gift. Because it will help you, A, to work together, but it will also help you deal with why do I feel quite so vulnerable and difficult and inadequate here because that's your weakest gift and they're like come on it's easy it's easy you think, no it's not no it's not okay so it, it, this helps us all to operate together in unity because we're understanding why someone's motivated so you know of course the evangelist is come on come on come on come on you know but he needs to understand actually the people that he's trying to motivate to do that are predominantly ground keepers and so whilst that doesn't excuse any of us from taking the gospel of the kingdom wherever we are, there's a different way of doing that. A pastor will take the gospel of the kingdom in a different way to an evangelist. Both taking the kingdom. But they'll do it in different ways. And that's how we have to be careful that we don't then put people in a box by saying, well, because I'm grace gifted this way, then you have to be. And so we want to take the kingdom in all its facets, but be uniquely us. And so as you read that Ephesians 4 passage, look through it and find out what's, what's your motivations? What are the general 
kingdom principles that God's calling us all to. Humility, patience, faith, grace, mercy. Those things are kingdom characteristics. And so it doesn't matter what we're called to or anything. Those things should be in us because we want to be more like Jesus. But equally, there'll be grace gifting for things that will be different. And that's okay. In fact, it's needed. It's important for the body to function fully. And we read that in that passage. It says, from, uh, that, so the whole body joined and held together with every joint which, um, which is, it's equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so understanding our motivation, understanding other people's motivation should help us release each other to be uniquely who we've been called to be. So each part is working properly together so that we all grow. You know, we all grow together. And that's the important thing. If we're all operating to, in, in our gifting and we're doing what we're uniquely called to do, then the whole body will grow together what we don't want to do, we'd call it a deformity, wouldn't we, if a particular part of the body was growing at a different rate to the, other, the rest of the body. We've seen some pictures of that today. But that's what this is talking about. If we're saying, we must, you know, this bit must accelerate. No, we all grow. And as we all grow together, the body functions properly together. And it's, it's every part working properly, everybody being who they are uniquely called to be. So we want to not only step into what we've been uniquely called, but I want to help release the person next to me, be who they've been uniquely called to be, not try and make them like me. Helpful to recognise our own motivations as we do that and find the grace for those who are motivated differently to us. So we all need to play our part in living from who you really are. Amen? Amen. Okay, I'm just going to pray for you, um, and then I'll hand back um, to Graham. I guess the opportunity now is, is, um, uh, is the Holy Spirit just speaking to you? And if it's you, just stand where you are, where you kind of think, do you know what? I don't feel like I'm living from who I really am right now doesn't matter what that looks like, but you just think, do you know what? I, I, I just don't feel I'm living from who I really am right now. If that's you, why don't you stand? Because I'll pray for you. Well done. Well done. There's more to who you are than what you're currently living. Well done. Thank you, Jesus. There's more to who you are than you're currently living. If that's you, just... Thank you, Jesus. You're wonderful. Thank you, God. Okay, I'm just going to pray for you guys are standing, and then I'll pray for the whole church. Father, thank you, Lord God, that you have uniquely gifted each one of us, Lord. Father, there is no one model. We come back to what Paul said uh, I've tried to be all things to all men that I might save some, but Lord God, if we're each uniquely being who we've been called to be, if we're uniquely being all that you've called us to be so that we each might reach some, then maybe, Lord God, between us we could reach them all. 
And Father, I thank you for those people that have stood right now saying, yeah, right now I'm not, I'm not living who I uniquely am. There's, there's more to me to live than, than what's happening now. And Father, I pray for each one of them, Lord, in their uniqueness, in their unique circumstances and whatever that thing is that they, they feel or things that they feel they need to do. I pray right now, would you just release a blessing on them in Jesus' name? Just pray, Lord, a blessing to come right now in Jesus' name. Just freedom to come, to be who they've been called to be. And we just release destiny right now over these people, where there's just not quite, they're not quite living out of all that you've called them to be. Father, we pray for breakthrough. Lord, where there's barriers in their thinking, we break it right now in Jesus' name. Where there's practical and physical barriers to that, we break that right now in Jesus' name. We just ask for freedom to come in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray, Lord, would you release right now just immense grace on these folk Lord God, to press into all that you have for them. Lord God, that they might be who, who they have uniquely been called to be. Amen. Why don't we all stand together? Thank you, Jesus. Father, I want to thank you for this church. Lord, I thank you for all that you've placed in her. Lord God, I thank you for this wonderful body of people. Lord, this diverse ethnicity. Lord, this diversity that you've placed here. Father, I bless what you're doing. And Father, we say, Lord, more. Would you bring more? As this church learns to be more and more like you, as uh, each one is uniquely moving in what they've been gifted to do, Lord, I pray, Lord God, would you add more to them? Lord God, as they move into this new building at some point and reach that community, I pray, Lord God, that you would draw many to them. Uh, Father, that uh, there would be grace for the need that comes through the door. Lord, there'll be grace for the diversity that comes through the door. There'll be grace for the, uh, just the types of people and the challenge, Lord, that they may be. Lord, we pray, Father, would you stir your church, every person being who they've been called uniquely to be, so that, Father, we may see this town reach for you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.